Hi, friends. Welcome to the Edge of Fear podcast, hosted by Liz Basil Lewison at Liz Without a Pillow. Each week, I'll be bringing you some different insights, lessons, and laughs with an end goal of a more empowered and authentically happier human race. Everybody's got a story, and everybody's story is important. Let's do this. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Fear podcast. My name is Liz Basil Lewison, Liz Without a Pillow, um, and I'm here with a very exciting guest today. Uh, Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, Liz. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. My name is Jesse Eccles, and on Instagram, that's Soul Astro. Um, and I'm a astrologer and talk about all things astrology, which I think really is just, you know, another language for self-development and getting to know ourselves, but in a little bit of a, a woo-woo way. I love that. Um, and, you know, my followers know I'm like, touching my toes in the waters of woo-woo, but I am always really interested to learn more about it um, because it's just such a wide world of astrology uh, and everything woo-woo, all things woo-woo. They all have their own like niche and there's so much to learn about all of it. It's just kind of as deep as you want to go, as interested in, as as interested as you are in learning about it. Um, So I'm so excited to have you on. Yeah, I love it. And I know there's so many like astrology memes right now too. So it's kind of getting into mainstream a little bit. But yeah, as you said, there's just so much depth to astrology. Awesome. Um, So we spoke a couple of days ago. Today it's Sunday, June 7th. So we spoke a few days ago about the upcoming full moon. We're amidst a whole bunch of chaos right now. Um, As we know, the social, political, climate, all of that. And because I worked with children for a long time when I was living in Boston, um, and I have a lot of friends in the medical field and, you know, in healthcare and uh, mental illness and things like that, the full moon was something that very much came up in our conversation all the time. Um, working with kids, when it, we would have Friday evening events, like drop-off events for the parents to go out, I'm without any question of a doubt, when there was a full moon, the kids were on their shit. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. I loved working with kids and I was always anticipating it, but that was really when I started to become interested in it because I was like, I, you cannot tell me I don't care what any science says against it. (laughs) People are affected by the full moon. Um, So like I said, yeah, that was like when I started to, I think, become interested in it. But it was a special kind of full moon this past week. And I was really interested, um, you know, if you believe what you can tell me about it, I guess. And if you think that there's any correlation with um, maybe the current state of affairs or just like where we are, you know, calendrically in life. Yeah, I love that. No, it's so true. I mean, the full moon absolutely affects us. And it is a way that people who may not fully believe all of the aspects of astrology do kind of see like, yes, we are impacted by kind of celestial beings in some way. And um, honestly, I have, you know, most of the people in my life think I'm a little crazy when I talk about astrology. But, um, you know, scientifically, actually, I'm going to just put a little plug here. So the moon, I think we all can agree, you know, rules the tides. And that is science. And our bodies are made up of mostly water. So for us to say that the moon doesn't also affect our bodies, I think is crazy. Um, And so, you know, it really does 
affect our bodies and especially in kids you know they're so like I don't know they have no boundaries and everything affects them and they just like say what's on their mind and exactly (laughs) what's happening in their body so yeah I actually previously was a teacher as well and worked with kids and full moons on a Friday like nonsense (laughs) (laughs) it's so So funny yeah I was gonna say that that's like how I feel like I'm I'm just like I want to tell everybody my feelings on full moon like I'm very emotional and I need to tell everybody about it (laughs) yes well you have we'll talk about that later but you have a very sensitive moon as well so that makes a lot of sense (laughs) um but yeah this this so this past full moon was on on June 5th on Friday um and there's a full moon every single month so it's not rare um we go through yeah, again, full moons every single month. And astrology really is all about cycles. And so each full moon that we have is also part of a larger cycle and part of a larger kind of, if you look at like a weather pattern, astrology also has astrology patterns. So there's, you know, literal patterns in the sky and each full moon is part of something larger. And this past Friday was a massive shift in the collective. And so you know, there's so much to unpack astrologically always, but certainly in 2020. I mean, a lot of astrologers have been waiting decades to get to 2020. A lot of the transits, which are kind of the way the planets move in the sky that are happening right now, um, some of them haven't happened since the 1700s. And so there's just a lot of really new astrology happening right now that no one alive has ever experienced. And it's pretty drastic shifts in consciousness and shifts in society, which, you know, without even unpacking that much, like we know that there are shifts happening right now, right? There's um, things coming to the forefront. And so with that, this moon is part of a new two-year cycle. So we're shifting out of an old two-year cycle and moving into a new one. And that happens around something called eclipses. And eclipses are actually, most people know kind of that eclipses at least exist. Maybe they don't know exactly what they are, um, but they are extra potent full moons or new moons, basically. And a full moon already, as you said, you know, really does affect people. And so when there's an eclipse, um, you know, you can't necessarily measure energy, but some people say it's like 10 times more uh, or stronger than a normal full moon. And the, the previous two-year cycle of eclipses that we were moving through would have started back in summer 2018. So again, astrology is just cycles. And so you can kind of look at what lessons were moving through your life personally, but also on the collective since 2018, really around the summer. And it was on something called the Capricorn Cancer Access. So some people might relate you know, their horoscope to being a Cancer or a Capricorn. But collectively, we were also moving through a lot of Capricorn and Cancer energy, which if you kind of boil that down is actually all around feeling safe and authority and that balance. And, you know, we can see that very clearly in reality right now, Um, pretty much all, you know, trends in the news right now, if you look at coronavirus, Black Lives Matter, all of those things, it it is around feeling safe and conflict with authority. And those are all massive. Every single thing that we've seen so far this year, yeah. Yeah. And so we're still learning that. And the the last actually eclipse of that cycle, so there's a little bit of overlap, happens July 5th. So there's still, that's, there's still a lot of Capricorn and Cancer energy in other parts of what's going on in the sky right now. But July 5th is the end of that cycle. And then we're moving into a cycle 
on the Gemini Sagittarius axis, which I know I'm getting a little <laughs> astrologically wordy here, but that's what the new full moon was on um, this past Friday on June 5th was the first one on the Gemini Sagittarius axis. So it is a huge shift in collective consciousness, but also on a personal level, depending on how that shows up in your chart. Um, and Gemini and Sagittarius is all about information and education. So we're gonna, we're, we're already seeing it. We're getting so much, we're bombarded with new information and we're trying to filter and put together our own thoughts and make our own judgments. Um, and Sagittarius really is like the ultimate truth seeker. And so people are trying to find truth at all costs. And sometimes that's really beautiful and sometimes that's really challenging. But as a collective, we're really moving into this era of information and truth. Wow, holy shit, very applicable. Um, so I'm, I'm very interested. I have a couple of questions, mostly I would say on like the language that you're using, but you said that Gemini and Sagittarius um, are about information, education, and truth seeking. Did I get that right? Yeah. So where do you, where do you get that from? Where do we understand that from in astrology? That is a good question. So astrology is... I mean, there, we don't really even know where astrology came from. Astrology is older than time. People in all different cultures have used astrology for hundreds of thousands of years. However, you know, old people are is where astrology began. And there are different modes of astrology. And so I, I practice Western astrology. Um, there's also Eastern astrology. Um, and so there's different ways to look at it. And even with, within, you know, Western astrology, there's a million different ways to look at astrology. So there's lots of still different ways to practice it, um, but it is a very ancient mystical tool that has, you know, beyond anything else has gone through generations and generations of people and really transcended time. There's nothing else that has kind of stuck with society for literally all of time. Um, literally, if you look back in even times of like Egyptian and um, back in like, you know, old European countries and cities, um, they like literally kings and queens would use astrology to make decisions. And now it's kind of gone away because we have science and all these other things that we can use. But astrology as a language has really, you know, it's, it's evolved in how it's used, but it's never changed. And so really with each of the signs, which everyone, most people probably know their sun sign, which is the sign that they use for their horoscope. So Gemini, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Cancer, there's 12 signs. And each of those are a form of energy. And, you know, again, thousands and thousands of years ago, when people were really in tune with their own intuition and an emotional body, they were able to kind of put words in, you know, probably Latin at the time, but now English, <laughs> um, to explain these energies. So each of the energies really represents something. And if you follow, you know, memes or of, of any sort, like Gemini also is known to be very flirty. And that's because they're very social. Right. Um, Gemini is, it rules communication. And so you really, we put English words to these much larger energetic feelings and kind of embody what that is. And so um, again, there's not one person that like invented astrology because it is just, it's just energy and we're putting English to something that exists in this kind of celestial way. Um, right. so I don't know yet. Yeah, did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, it definitely opened my eyes to it because I mean, you can't say that one person invented music or one person started, mm -hmm. you know, 
speaking, no one invented speech, no one invented, you know, language or writing, like these are all things that have existed and passed and been passed along through humanity through time. Um, and so for you to say that this has been going on since then, and now, and it's kind of like one of those like lost in translation things where you have to be cognizant that like, you know, you using the word flirty for Gemini doesn't necessarily mean that it's always going to come out in like a like flirty, like slutty way, like it's, it means social. And so there's like an interpretation that has to be made about, it's just kind of like a broader, it's kind of to help us like understand ourselves better and like understand what's going on in the sky and how that affects us as, you know, an individual. So very interesting. And obviously it's something that I've thought about because I'm interested in it probably, <laughs> but like causation or correlation. Um, but it's mm -hmm. not something that I think about regularly. Um, so it's very interesting to kind of know the, the why behind it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely getting more and more popular now. And part of that is literally written in the stars. We're moving into more of an age of astrology again. And so it's, it's no coincidence that more and more people are getting interested in it. Part of it is because again, we're moving into this age of information and people want to understand things in a greater way. And then also, you know, self-development and wellness is such a thing personally in so many ways as well. And astrology, again, is just another tool to really understand yourself as well. So is it popular because the stars said it would be popular or is it popular because of social media or is it like popular because we need more information? I, I told you on the preliminary call that I was probably going to cry, but I'm like already ready to cry. So I think we need to go into my birth chart so people understand why I'm so fucking sensitive. I'm like, oh my God, it makes so much sense. And you were saying that like, <laughs> that like something happened in 2018, like that's when I broke up with my five-year ex that I was in like a, you know, horribly unhappy relationship. And then I quit my job that I'd had for also five years and moved to Europe and backpacked for three months and like started this journey. Literally, I'm like, what happened in 2018? <laughs> so I'm excited to get into this conversation with you. I'm obviously very interested. <laughs> That's so funny. Do you, so have you looked into your chart much? Like, do you know why you're so sensitive? I, I have like ideas of it. Um, I, I can pull my chart up. <laughs> um, okay. That's a good start. Yeah. I've, I've looked into it, um, quite a bit and I, I just assume that it's because, you know, I don't, I, I really don't know. I, every day, like, uh, so I have the apps, I told you this, I have COSAR yeah. and I have pattern are my apps that I use for astrology. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that they're like pretty basic. Um, but I've been told by my friends who are like slightly more interested in this than I, but also like still <laughs> learning, I think no like pros, um, that like, these are the good ones. And so today it says, try to be as present as possible, power and self pressure and routine, thinking and creativity, spirituality, social life, sex, and love. But like, I always, I feel like they're right so often. And so I'm, I'm always interested to see more, but I'm a Taurus and a Pisces, Pisces, Pisces. Um, yes. So the Pisces is super sensitive. My, my Pisces is really strong. Everybody, I, I always um, like get along with Pisces really well. That's um, March, right? You're born in March. Um, so air, it's not month to month, but yeah. So Pisces would be like, um, like beginning of March and yeah. February. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, I'm actually not great at the exact dates, but yeah, it's like end of February, beginning of March. Like Aries starts like March 22nd or 23rd ish. I don't really know why I'm so sensitive, <laughs> but I know we I could talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I assumed it was like, um, just I'm empathetic in nature. I feel, I feel like I was raised that way by my mom. Um, but I can, I always like feel other people's like energies and like sensitive yes, situations just make me cry. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that. Um, before we kind of get into your chart, would it be helpful to kind of just explain how to pull up a chart and kind of give the basics and then apply it to your chart? I would love to do that so that more people than just I could understand. Yeah. And I mean, I think we've talked about this, but astrology, I feel like is really empowering and, you know, you can definitely like read your horoscopes, but horoscopes are just on your sun sign or maybe your rising sign, depending on how they're written. And, um, I know even rising sign might be new for a lot of people, but everyone has one. And so just like everyone has a Zodiac or a sun sign that you look up for your horoscope, which generally is like the month that you're born. So you're an Aries or a Pisces or whatever it may be. Um, you also have every other planet in the sky in your chart. So every single person on earth has all 10 planets plus, you know, depending on the astrologer, they might also talk about some asteroids and stuff, but I really just focus on the 10 major planets, um, and a few other angles in a chart. And then on top of, um, the planets, you have all 12 zodiacs in your chart as well. And so some of those just show stronger than others. So like you said, even though you're not a Pisces sun, Pisces is, is very strong in your chart. And that might not always be true for every single Pisces moon. Um, and so it's really, you know, it, it's empowering to be able to pull up your chart and, you know, look and say, okay, look, I'm a Pisces moon and then Google that. And that, and that's great. And that's going to give you a lot of information. Um, but because astrology is so layered and I'm going to name a few other things that maybe are a little bit challenging, but there's also houses and aspects. And that's really where you need to spend many more years studying astrology and have a full astrologer be able to interpret kind of the patterns and the themes playing out in a chart. Because again, you know, there's going to be many people that have a Pisces moon, but it'll only show up one way for you. Right. So again, like going back to like needing to be able to like specifically interpret like how it's impactful, like in your life. Um, it very much reminds me of like the disc assessment and like personality tests. And like, it's not that it's necessarily like telling you your future or telling you exactly the kind of person you are, but it explains it. There's such power behind that, like explaining like that, but this is the way that you are though. It's not good or bad. This is just <laughs> the way you are. And like, so these are like the possible options and this is here you are. And this is maybe why you are that way a little bit. And there's such power behind that and strength. Yes. And I love that you said it's not good or bad. Like I reemphasize that all the time. I get so many messages and emails being like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Scorpio this, like, is this bad? Is, you, you know, should I panic? And I'm like, no, <laughs> everything is fine. Nothing is good or bad. I will say there is a high and a low road to all of the energies. And I do strongly believe in free will. And um, I would say, you know, most astrologers do. And so it's not necessarily that your whole life is mapped out or predetermined in any way, but you do have certain energies that you can work with and really use to your advantage once you kind of understand. And also, you know, the ones that do feel a little more painful, like you might've not always loved, you know, how sensitive you were, like that can feel really hard. Uh, and so you really might hard. have at some... <laughs> 
yeah, but it's also really, really beautiful, right? And so um, depending on how you look at it and maybe your current emotional state, um, you might look (laughs) at that a little bit (laughs) differently. So like when I was like being like super manic on Friday, like I could have just recognized that in myself and been like, I'm manic today (laughs) instead of just, yeah. yeah. It's permission slips. I'm always like, just use it as a permission slip. You know, it's not something to say, okay, well, you know, the stars say I'm going to be a dick today. So I'm just going to do that. Like, that's not okay. You can't use it as an excuse, but I do think you can get permission slips to really, yeah, give yourself permission to feel it all or to be angry or to, you know, maybe act a certain way because also, you know, when you learn about someone else's personality as well, whether it's through Myers-Briggs, DISC assessment, you know, human design, there's so many tools. It really is like, oh, you know, you can see them in a different light because you're realizing they're operating differently from you and that's okay. Right. Cool. Okay. Awesome. So do you have like a list of vocabulary that you want to give us or like, um, I think first, if I'm, I don't know if people know how to pull up their chart, but there's, there are great apps, um, like you yeah. said, that you can use. I think you said you have the pattern postart. Yeah. Um, so those are all, all fine and kind of will spit out using an algorithm, some like general things and they are pretty accurate. Um, but to look at your chart, there's also so many websites online. I just use astro.com. It's completely free and you can just go there, go to astro.com you need your full birth information. So that would include the the month, the date, the year. And then you would also need the location. So like not necessarily the hospital, but the city and the state and the country that you're in. And finally the time. And the time is annoying because, you know, as I've learned, not even all birth certificates have time. So that's sometimes challenging. Um, But the time is really important because it, it makes how the houses are in your chart and it really provides like that final layer that's important to be able to fully interpret a whole chart and what is make what makes it unique to you so that you know not everyone born in you know washington dc on your date has the exact same chart as you that time is what makes it really unique that's so interesting and funny because sometimes you think like again i'm a Taurus, so i was born in may sometimes i think i'll meet other tauruses and be like, oh, we're so similar and we're nothing alike at all. (laughs) Like some similarities and we're like, that's because we're tourists, but that's because we don't know anything about astrology. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's why some people also don't believe in it, right? They're like, not everyone born in the month of August is a Leo, right? Like that's just, or not everyone acts like the same if you're born in the month of August, even though you're all Leos. And so there's just so many layers and Tauruses will have some similarities, but it's just such a small sliver of the whole chart. Right, totally. Um, I'm just pulling up my uh, birth chart right now so that I can be looking at it at the same time as you. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Okay, well, we can kind of dive into your chart. And, you know, when I do birth chart readings, um, and also maybe to take a little bit of a step back, so everyone has a birth chart. And a birth chart is really a snapshot of the sky the moment you were born. Um, and so some astrologers say that it's like your first baby picture, which I think is kind of cute, um, because it really is just like a snapshot of who you are and what your soul is and kind of how it incarnated. Um, and then what we were talking about earlier with the full moon, that's what's happening in the sky this moment. So if they were born that moment, they would have that birth chart as well, but 
everyone's birth chart is also influenced by what's happening in the sky. So we could also, you know, we can talk about how you incarnated and what your personality traits are, but also there's another way to look at a chart where you can look at the current transit. So we could say, okay, the full moon um, in Sagittarius, this is how it impacted a particular chart and why everyone's going to feel differently on the full moon, even if it's, you know, maybe we're all feeling crazy, but it's still going to influence different aspects of your life for sure. All right. Um, Yeah. So when I do readings, a lot of the time, I'm just like, okay, what jumps out to me? Because yes, you know, we could look at sun, moon, and rising, which are the top kind of three most like personality determining things. So usually those are pretty relatable for people because, you know, the, your sun kind of represents your personality and your ego. And so most people do relate to that to some extent, but that might not show up that strongly in your chart. And so you look at your moon sign and then that's where like the next layer comes in and then you're rising. But before we even get into that, like the very first thing that jumps out for me in your chart is that you have a lot of water. And to explain that a little bit, there are four elements in astrology. So each of the zodiac signs um, are all associated with an element. So Pisces is associated with water. Taurus is associated with earth and there's also fire signs and air signs. And so the most basic way to look at your chart without even interpreting it at all is to say which element is strong and which element is weak. And there's only four. So it's usually pretty obvious. Some people have really balanced charts and that's cool too. Um, But I would say it's more common to have like at least one or two stronger elements. And for you, you have a lot of water in your chart. So what and, do you mean by that, excuse me, I'm sorry, yeah. that it's strong um, is just that it shows up more. It's visibly there in your chart more. There's more of it. Exactly. So there's there's a lot of ways that we can interpret strong based on different aspects, but to just make it super simple, you can see the planets in the chart. So if you, I think you have yours up right now. So those little like black things that kind of, you can look, the moon is the most easy one to tell what it is because it looks like an actual moon. Um, But all of the little black um, little symbols are planets. And on astro.com, the zodiac signs are color coded. So where you see the blue signs um, are water signs where you see red is fire, green is earth, and then yellow is air because air doesn't really have a color. <laughs> um, but the water signs, so you can see that there are more kind of black symbols, which are the planets in those water colored areas than any other um, color really. So right. any other element. And there is a little bit of like a cheat sheet chart on the bottom corner of astro.com um, that you can see as well. Um, it's the, there's a table and it's at the top on the rows is CFM. And then on the columns, it's F-A-E-W. Um, and you can also see kind of the elements there. And so we can see that you have one, two, three, four, five, six in water. You have one, two, three, four, five in earth two in air and one in fire. So you have what jumps out to me immediately is just the water in your chart. And there are the water signs are Pisces, Cancer, and Scorpio. And all of those are are very different energies if you kind of dissect each of them. But all water signs are um, intuitive, sensitive, very like really lead with their feelings. 
um, and they're going to feel everything. And on a kind of a little bit more of a spiritual level, um, what it also means that that is that there's no emotional or spiritual boundaries. So if you, if you take water in a cup and you pour it on a table, like it needs something else to give it boundaries. And so that's how your emotions and energetic <laughs> body is as well is, and that's why you, you just cry. You just feel everything for the collective. Literally always <laughs> And crying. everything for yourself. <laughs> and sometimes you might not even know why it's just like it just happens <laughs> like somebody in the next town over is like having a hard time so I'm crying for them honestly so <laughs> and so that's really beautiful because you know you have this this gift to you know both heal yourself and heal others through being so sensitive and so intuitive and I imagine if you do tap into your emotions that you do have a strong ability to be really in tune with yourself. But also if you're like, if you walk into a room, like, you know, the vibe immediately, like you're going to know, okay, that person's in a bad mood. That person's sad. Like that person, all right, they're, they're kind of happier or whatever. Like you just kind of know the mood immediately and intuitively. And therefore you're also able to, you know, in certain circumstances, maybe not in like a party format, but in certain circumstances, you're really able to hold space for people and listen and understand intuitively what they're going through as well, because ultimately you're, you're probably feeling it too. You have just such, um, like lack of emotional boundaries and you can just feel <laughs> it all, which is hard. Like you said, you're still like, it's still hard for you, but it is also, um, yeah, a beautiful gift that you are so in tune with emotions and, you know, in a world that doesn't really teach us how to understand our emotions. Yeah, I like that verbiage, the lack of emotional boundary, because that's exactly what it is. But I really did discover it like kind of as a superpower, you know, during this transition of my life from 28 to 30. Um, you know, while I was deployed, people would really open up to me about things. Um, when my ex and I first broke up, like that was that summer of 2018. And I was like, I can I was like, I love first dates. I can talk to anybody. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily want to go on a second date with you, but like, this is easy. <laughs> um, and then while I was traveling, like same thing, like I would have really hard conversations with people. And I was like, this is because I know what they're feeling. This is because I can tell as soon as the conversation starts, like, I'm, I'm with them. I'm like, and I, that's why I like thought it was just because I'm an empath. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely is a superpower and it did take me 28 years to figure that out. I, I hated my sensitivity my whole youth, like was such a crybaby, hated being called a crybaby. <laughs> right. But that's, that's social conditioning, right? Like we are in such a society that does not teach us how to cope with emotions and emotions are so real. And we were given emotions to feel them all. Like we're not supposed to hide emotions. We're not supposed to... <laughs> As I'm um, muted, I crying, wiping my tears. But we truly are supposed to feel them all. And you actually named, um, so not only do you have a lot of this water in your chart, but you have an aspect, um, and I'm going to name it in case you want to Google it later or someone else wants to. Um, and it is called, so you have your sun opposite, or it's an in opposition to Pluto. And again, everyone has a sun in their chart. Everyone has a Pluto in their chart, but not everyone will have sun opposite Pluto in their chart. And you have Pluto in Scorpio in the eighth house. 
which again, I'm naming this for, you know, if you want to Google later, um, <laughs> I know that doesn't always mean a lot, but Pluto and Scorpio in the eighth house is also um, deeply, deeply intuitive and deeply powerful. And you said you, you know, you're really comfortable with just like immediately getting to know someone and having like tough conversations. Like you might meet someone and they're going to tell you like their deepest, darkest secrets that they haven't even told that their husband probably, because you just have <laughs> this ability to immediately have people feel comfortable with you. And also vice versa, this, this sun opposite Pluto. So, so as a child, there is, um, and, and stop me if you know, you Astrology can get deep pretty fast, um, but as a <laughs> nope, child, I'm, re- I'm prepared to cry. <laughs> <laughs> I came in ready. <laughs> um, so kind of like, yeah, on the harder side or the more challenging side is that you are prone to some more like inner tension and negative self-talk kind of like it, it gives this feeling of not really ever being satisfied with accomplishments and things like that. And there's also a, a little bit of um, Pluto is about power and control. So there is a need for you to feel not necessarily, you know, control other people, but feel in control of yourself and kind of, um, and and that's, that's how you feel safe, right? Because you have all of these emotions. And so this Pluto sun opposition really comes back and is like, no, like we need to control it all and like put in rules and, that's just what it's going to be because I can't handle this. And part of that, I'm laughing now because this is like my exact, (laughs) exact life. This is every day. I'm like, just let yourself feel. No, you have, (laughs) you have to stick to the plan. (laughs) You have to do the things. Otherwise you're never going to be good enough. Like the negative self-talk is so real. Trying to not like spit all over the microphone. Cause I'm like so actively. crying right now um I love yeah no it. it's uh and this is why people like are I think probably turned off by astro because like it just it like taps in and like makes you like face yourself and like you have to really acknowledge these things and also it like sounds woo woo because like how could the time that I was born like how could that mean and people are just so like against like science when it doesn't align with what they want it to <laughs> like science is only yes. what it like says what like I want it to and and nobody wants to feel anything so you don't want to face yourself I'm ready bring it on <laughs> <laughs> you were born to feel so yeah you are ready you are ready um but I love yeah no there is selective hearing and you're like okay well that part's not true we'll just skip over that part of my chart <laughs> but you know I I think also it kind of in some ways you know I believe in divine timing and people find astrology when they're ready to hear it. Just like anything, people find, you know, certain tools and resources only when they're ready and only when they're kind of meant to in a lot of ways. And so, you know, if you're only interested in looking at just your horoscope right now and not looking into kind of the, the depths of your soul and in your chart, then that's fine too. Um, because I think even just understanding like a very surface level is, is helpful to some extent, but you, and myself included have, we both have pretty um, strong eighth houses, which just is like immediately let's like, like, let's go get to the good stuff. Like no sugar coating. Like, I just want to know what's underneath your soul. Like, that's nice that that's your favorite color and favorite ice cream. But like, you know, like how did your mom affect you when you were little <laughs> kind of situation? Like, we're just like cut right to it. Right. Break through the small talk, not into it. Like, let's go. Yeah. And that's in our nature. And so for you, you know, yes, it feels hard, but I, I believe 
you know, some of our greatest struggles and those show up in, in a birth chart most of the time are also our greatest gifts. And you even said it, like you've learned to feel more empowered by it and you've learned to, you know, really hold space for other people and provide that support for other people. And that Pluto sun opposition, in addition to all the water in your chart, like you can see right through the bullshit and you can read between the lines. Like if someone is talking to you and it's not true, like, you know. And so if, if you kind of get an inkling and you're like trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, because you're also a very kind person, like trust your gut, I would say, because <laughs> if you, um, it, if you trust them and not yourself, you're giving away your own power, first of all. And also you are deeply intuitive and what your gut is telling you and what your heart is telling you is very, very true. And this Pluto sun opposition can also make you maybe feel a little bit more trustworthy and maybe get yourself in some situations that you probably knew you should have gotten in as well. So I encourage you to kind of like tap into that more and really trust your first instinct because it's probably correct. Well, thank you. I will uh, take that into account moving forward. That is definitely something I've struggled with truly for a long time. Yeah. And I think, I mean, when you say for a long time, it, it's your birth chart. Like we're born with it and it is a lifelong journey. We weren't meant to master it in any way, really at any point, like maybe, you know, by the time we move on to the next world. But um, if you have, if you look at your chart and you understand all of it and you say you're a master at all of it, like that's just wrong. <laughs> you're not, you're here to evolve through human interaction and, you know, societal issues or societal gifts or whatever it is, we're here to evolve and continue to evolve. And actually that points out another point in your chart is um, you have kind of this chart that like lives many lifetimes in one lifetime. You have a lot of transformation. So you might feel like, you might even find yourself saying, well, like, and, and you're also very young. So, you know, it's not like you really have lived that many lifetimes, but I imagine even in like the last 10 years, you kind of did live many lifetimes or lived many personas and you have this very transformational power. So um, I guess, yeah, that's another really gift that you have. And um, it's okay to not be one thing forever where, you know, especially maybe not so much our generation, but our parents were like told to, you know, get one job and be in that job forever kind of thing. And, you know, most millennials have kind of decided not to do that for the most part, but there's still that pressure to be, you know, oh, I am this, like, I am a lawyer, I am a doctor, or even I'm an astrologer, if that's what it is, but you have something in your chart that really wants you to continue to transform and almost live multiple lives within one life and really kind of learn all the things and um, explore all the things and continue to evolve. That feels so deeply resonating. <laughs> I, I like, I, I literally always say like that was from another lifetime or like that was a lifetime ago. And I say it like really, because it literally was a, I was a different self. I am today a different self than I was even a few months ago, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I, we all should be striving to evolve, but yeah, for you, you have this just constant evolution and it sounds like you're already okay with that, but continue to be and like, don't fear change. You're, you're just growing. This is such an intimate thing to have publicly read. Now I see why you were like, if you want, I was like, yeah, of course. This is very intimate. <laughs>
Yes, I know. And I mean, I immediately, we could talk about like more surface level things. Like I can talk about, you know, or even like love or like but yeah, I have a hard time. Not just, I'm like, oh, well I see this. Like, tell me about how this is, you know, transformed your life and how this has made you who you are. Yeah, this is, um, uh, I, and I would have no idea what I was looking at, like <laughs> zero clue. So thank you so much for like telling me this and, and showing me what this means. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything like specific you wanted me to look at in your chart? I'm happy to talk about other things that stand out, but I'm also, if there's like any burning questions about I mean, I guess I'm still a little bit... I, I guess it's just the the title of the different like areas but I just didn't know like if there was any like what does it mean like rising what does your rising sign mean like your houses like is there any reason behind those names I guess it's just the the names that they are you know Yes, good question. So I'll start with the rising sign and then talk a little bit about houses. So the rising sign um, is also known as the ascendant. And on the chart, if you're looking at it, um, mm -hmm. most charts will have it labeled as AC. Okay. Um, and so it's always, always going to be when you're looking at the chart, it's going to be on the left hand side, like pretty much in the middle. And that is because, and the reason it's called rising sign, it is because it is literally the sign. So if you're living on earth right now and you were born, it is the sign that is rising over earth um, on the horizon. So if you go at look at the time at, that you were born, my, yes, which is why your time oh. is so important. So if you were born five minutes later, it would be different. Wow. Yeah. Because the sky is always changing. The planets are always changing. Everything is in movement. Yep. So all 12 signs will go, th will rise on the horizon every single day. Wow. And so that's why it's called a rising sign because it's literally rising. And it also is actually a really good segue into houses because it is always the, if you can, I don't know if you, if you're looking at the chart, but it's always the line that starts the first house. Okay. And the first house. So we'll talk about rising sign actually first as well but so rising sign it is kind of it's it's how you show up in the world in a lot of ways so it's a lot of people's first impression of you so a lot of times um and in fact if your horoscope does not resonate with you ever one it's because obviously they're only writing 12 horoscopes and there's more than 12 people in this world but secondly <laughs> also most people actually will resonate more with their rising sign horoscope um, because it is kind of how you present yourself in the world. It's much more outward. So when people first meet you, they're more likely to interpret your rising sign. In fact, if you ask, never ask an astrologer this, like, but if you ask yeah. an astrologer, oh, guess my, guess my sun sign, if they are willing to, or, you know, actually do guess it, it's probably, they're probably more likely going to guess your rising sign because that's what kind of comes out first. Um, and then on an esoteric level, which I kind of prefer like more soul-based astrology, which is again, less looking at like your personality traits, but on an esoteric level, your rising sign is also your higher self. And so not only is it rising on the horizon, but it's what your soul is rising into. 
And so usually, although you present yourself that way, you have not mastered that energy. And it's something that you're literally rising into. So you're learning and you have another aspect on your chart that's very interesting that we can get into if we want, but um, you're literally rising into the Pisces energy and you're learning, like, yes, you're emotional, but you're really learning how to master what that means and how to use that for the greatest good for yourself and for other people. This feels like um, exactly what I needed right now in this like moment of life <laughs> was exactly this conversation <laughs> with you. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'm telling you, it finds people when it's kind of meant to. Um, but also, I, I want to answer your question on the houses because so your rising sign, it is, it is a lot about yourself. And it's very self-oriented. It's personality trait oriented. And it's always the beginning of the first house. And you can tell it's the first house because if you, again, are looking at a chart, which I know is hard in kind of podcast format, but um, you'll see in the inner circle, a bunch of numbers and you'll see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 on CoStar. And this is actually one of the reasons I don't love CoStar. Can I just ask you if, sorry, about the numbers in the middle. So it looks like it's like so the whole, I'm just going to try and give like a little bit of like a visual, like a, an explanation, like to give people a better visual. So to make sure that I'm looking at the right thing and so that I understand it also. But so it looks like four clocks or three clocks, it looks like. So the one is like two of the clocks are the outside layers and those are what have like the symbols. Um, so the only one that I recognize is my, I think my sun sign, which is the Taurus. And that's not where my rising sign is, right? Correct. So in that inside like layer, that first or that first outside layer, um, there's like boxes around the outside of the clock. And then you go in and there's like a smaller clock on the inside. And it looks like the numbers go counterclockwise. Mm -hmm. And instead of starting mm -hmm. at like where one o'clock would start, it starts at like where nine o'clock would be. And it goes like yes. down and around. So yeah, this is like the most confusing thing. I don't think I've actually ever seen it before right now because the one that comes up on the CoStar app, you don't see like a visual like that. It just gives you like a small like graphic chart. Yeah, so CoStar won't show all the houses. They're only going to show which houses have planets. So you can look at your chart right now. Do you see where the number seven is? Yeah. And there, it looks kind of empty. So that's misleading. Like, yes, there's no planets there, but actually an astrologer could tell you a lot about the seventh house, yeah. which obviously, you know, you have to like study astrology for a while for that. But yeah, so um, the outside part is all of the zodiac signs. The That's next layer, the smaller <laughs> clock is, is, is all of the planets. And then that inner, or I guess the next layer is where you start to see the aspects, which are all those red and blue lines and some green and black lines that are very complicated yeah and then the innermost circle is where like you said you see the numbers which are where where the number one is is where nine o'clock would be on a clock and then all the way around the way I like to think of it which is which is actually accurate as well is if you think of this circle as the earth and so the dark black line where you see AC all the way going across to DC which is horizontal that is the equator. Everything above is going to be where the sun is shining when you're born. 
everything below is going to be where the sun is not shining when you were born, which is accurate because if you see your sun is below the horizon, it's at the bottom of the chart, that's because you were born at night. So even if I didn't know your time, if I just looked at this chart, I would know that you were born at night because the sun is below the horizon. Got it. So this is actually a, it's, it's a graph, but it really is just a graph of this being the earth and how all of the zodiacs are. So when you were born at the very top, you may not know what that symbol is, but the red arrow, that's Sagittarius. So when you were born at the very top of the earth was Sagittarius. And at the very bottom of the earth on the opposite, which is that yellow kind of weird looking thing, is Gemini. And that was at the very bottom of the earth. So that's why, wait, so, but that's what we're in right now is Sagittarius and Gemini. Yes. So you will be greatly impacted (laughs) by these. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Um, I imagine for you, so your, the eclipses are on your career and home life. Um, it's the top of your chart is about your career and public facing life. And the bottom of your chart is about your home and, um, like your literal home, but also your intimate family life. Interesting. And your Capricorn and cancer, which is the last eclipse cycle, which as you said, affected you dramatically. I would have said would have affected you dramatically as well. You have um, quite a few quite a few planets in Cancer and Capricorn, and um, including one called Saturn, which Saturn is one of my favorite planets, and it literally forces you to learn life lessons in some of the worst ways sometimes. And so, like you said, you know, I think you said something about a breakup. Um, that's a really really Saturn thing to do. <laughs> and with the eclipses, it would have. Absolutely. You know, I I imagine two years ago, you would have said you lived a different lifetime and those eclipses really impacted your life there. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it like came to a head where I like, I couldn't even not break up anymore. I was like, literally like went to the emergency room, like for like what I equate to like basically like a panic or an anxiety attack now. Um, But it was like just a regular, like um, what's it called? Uh, ovarian cyst that just comes and goes like totally normal thing, but it was like pushing on my intestines and like creating like a horrible pain. And I was like, it's physical manifestation of the pain that I'm going through. And I literally spent my entire birthday, like 13 hours in the ER, um, just going through the physical pain of this life lesson that was like, I am not happy. I haven't been happy in a very long time. And if I try to stay in this for one more minute, it's going to literally kill me. Yes. And Saturn, I mean, I'm at the time, I'm sure it felt awful and I'm, I'm very sorry for that, but it looks like you can look back at it now and be like, okay, well, here I am now. And like, there is a light at the end of the tunnel or at least another side to it. And Saturn, you know, you literally explained what Saturn does. Um, I, again, strongly believe in free will, but Saturn kind of, before Saturn comes along, it's like the universe kind of throw pebbles, like little red flags that you're like, oh, I can kind of ignore that. I can kind of ignore that. But Saturn is like a straight up boulder in your face. It's like, good luck trying to get past this. Um, you're welcome to, it's just going to really suck if you try. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And had that breakup not happened, like I wouldn't have 
quit that job that was taking advantage of me. I wouldn't have left the country and like gotten to explore. And now who knows when the next time we're going to be able to travel abroad is like, I'm so grateful for that time that I, that I took that like, Jesus shit. Yeah. Thanks Saturn. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, okay. So I definitely think I understand about the rising sign and the ascendant. The houses are like the um, pizza pies. Yeah. Um, is what okay. they look like. I was like. gonna say yeah, the triangles. So, okay. Yes, and those are they represent the areas of life. So. One of the ways I like to explain the difference between the zodiac signs, the planets, and the houses are the zodiac signs are kind of like the character and the play, um, and then the planets are the actor. So it's like the actor that is playing the particular character. So the sun is always going to be the ego, but it's going to put on a different character, whether it's in Taurus or Cancer or whatever. So it's a different character. And then the houses are the where so it might be literally in you know the theater it would be like the stage that they're playing on but also in real life they are the areas of life that they're playing out in and so the first house is a lot about self the second house is a lot about values and money and resources and kind of material possessions the third house is all about communication. Um, so actually you have a pretty strong third house. You have both Mercury and Jupiter there in Gemini in the third house of communication. So I am not surprised you have a podcast at all. Um, <laughs> you are probably pretty chatty and I would encourage you to continue to do that. It is a good way for you to process your emotions. Um, <laughs> and so I hope that you find <laughs> that it's helpful. I think you've said before you find your podcast therapy and it, it is literally therapy. is in your chart for you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I can, I can go around really quickly on all the houses, but they're all areas of life um, that represent kind of where it's playing out in your chart. And that's why when we talk about, for example, eclipses, Sagittarius and Gemini, where the eclipse was this past Friday, would have affected or would have been the beginning of affecting a next two-year cycle for you in the area of career and home life. But for other people, it could be in money or relationships or um, travel or kids or, you know, spirituality, whatever it may be. So it really affects people really differently. Right. Very interesting. Um, yeah, no, you don't have to go through all the houses. Um, I, I think I, I understand that um, a little bit better. Okay, so the zodiacs and, um, and then which ones did you say were the aspects? Yes. So those are going to look really different on everyone's chart, but they are pretty much the nonsense in the middle. Um, They are on astro.com, the red and blue, and on some charts, green and black lines, but the red and the blue ones are the most common aspects. And there are four main types of aspects Um, And this is really geometry. So this is where some math gets involved. And honestly, one of the reasons I like astrology, because even though it's, you know, an astronomer would never say that astrology is science, but I believe it's science. And um, there is some literal geometry to it. And so there's something called an opposition, which is literally 
something that is 180 degrees apart on the chart. So we talked about your sun and Pluto being opposite. You can see, can you see the sun at the bottom of your chart and then Pluto kind of at the top, that P? The P is Pluto and what's mm -hmm. the sun? Um, it is kinda, it, it's like it a kind circle of looks like a, a sun or? Yes. Okay, that, that's what I thought I just wanted to confirm. Yes, okay, so they're like pretty much exact opposite or they are exact opposite? So within two degrees, so you, this gets really kind of particular, but um, you can see, see how there's a red line across. Mm -hmm. So that shows the opposition, um, but you can look at those detailed numbers around the planets as well. So you have what's called a two degree orb, which is very close. You have a almost direct opposition. Cool. Okay. So those are the aspects and the aspects, what do they mean? They are how the planets communicate with each other and really the final piece of the puzzle when we're looking at the patterns of your chart. And so again, everyone has all the planets and all the signs, but how the aspects are really tell us the full story. So the red lines are more challenging aspects. I believe that's also where your gifts are and where your lessons are, um, but truly where those red lines are is where you're gonna have to really dig deep and learn and maybe go through some really hard things, but ultimately those are your power points as well. The blue lines are really harmonious. They're very, they're much easier. They're very supporting, but also they're very, they're where you can be complacent because they're very easy. So you might have this like beautiful gift that like is super, super easy for you, but if, you're complacent with it because it's so easy and no one's pushing you to do it, then it's in some ways kind of useless. So some people are like, oh my gosh, I have so many red lines in my chart. Does that, is that bad? <laughs> no, <laughs> you might've had a little bit more of a challenge, more like more larger challenges that you had to kind of overcome. Mm -hmm. But ultimately the most impressive people, when you look at people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever, like guarantee they all have a ton of red lines in their chart because they would have had to overcome obstacles to be really successful. Wow. Oh my goodness. This is like, it, this is really something that people should know about. <laughs> like, and I understand it's like getting more popular, but like people should really like look at this and like have it read to them. Like, cause Everything that I've seen online, and I, I've told you that, um, you know, I, I pulled up different charts from another website that a friend of mine was like, when, are, when were you born? You need to plug it into this website. And it gave a little bit, maybe I just don't really know how to navigate um, astro.com yet, because this is only my second time logging into it. But that one gave like pretty good like paragraph length explanations, and I'm sure this has it somewhere. Um, but it's still very different to like have it specifically talked to by someone who is like looking at you and like knows a little bit of something about you and can like really interpret it with you. Yeah, I think it might have cafe astrology is another really good one that has some pretty good explanations. Mm -hmm. The issue with those and why people who start to kind of learn about their chart do often end up seeking an actual astrologer is because those are still, those isolate everything. So mm -hmm you know, you have a son in Taurus in the second house. There's going to be other people that have that, but then what it's not going to take into account are the aspects. And so it's going to explain 
what son in Taurus means. It's going to explain what son in second house means. It may even say your son is conjunct Venus and that's what this means. But what it won't do is say, this is what sun in Taurus in the second house conjunct Venus opposite Pluto is. It won't be able to blend that because the algorithm won't be able to do that. And that's where as an astrologer, again, you can really see patterns. So once you start telling the story, it's like, okay, yeah, you know, you have this planet, but it it actually isn't, it's part of the story, but it's not a huge part. And usually when you start going through, you know, sometimes hours and hours of going through a chart with someone, there's going to be a lot of repetitive things. And that's where you're like, okay, this is your story. And you can boil it down to that. And right. when you isolate it on these apps or on an, a website, it's, it's really great. And I really encourage people to do that, but it ultimately will only you know go so far to understanding your full story. Right. To have it explained a little bit better is like another step, but like learning about it through these, the apps and the websites is like crucial. Like I feel like so much, this is so much clearer now. Um, so I'm excited about that. Okay. So you explained the red lines and the blue lines for the aspects and then there's green lines too. Yes. And, and not everyone will have green lines. Um, and I rarely use those in readings um, unless there's something in your chart called a, a yod or a yod, which you don't have. Um, you do have green lines, but those are those are different. I very rarely use the green line. So I don't think, yeah, don't have people get too hung up on that so much, but there, <laughs> there might be something called a yod in some people's charts, um, which I would highlight in a reading. What is a yod? What would that be? Something like? Yeah. So there are the basic aspects, which are these red and blue lines, but if there are multiple planets forming kind of a larger shape, then it's called something different. So a yod is one, a grand trine, a grand cross, a T-square. So in your chart, you actually do have something called a T-square. So I'll point that one out. It will show a larger one. Do you see where your moon is? Mm-hmm. And then do you see kind of the right-hand triangle that it's making with yes. it's, yep. it's Uranus and that K at the bottom, which is mm-hmm. Chiron? So that actually makes a triangle that's visible, right? Right. And so that's something called a, um, a T-square. So a yod is another form of that. And it literally, it just looks like a big V. So it'll be, um, this is a bad example because you don't have it, but it would be like, let's say your sun and Jupiter were pointing straight up to like the line in between Sagittarius and Scorpio. It mm-hmm. would be like a big V that you could visibly see. So there's much larger aspects that really tell a larger story as well. But a yod is represented by the green lines as opposed to your your T-square is represented by red lines. Red, uh, okay. So it's basically if the green lines make a visible shape, do I have that correct? Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah, there's, there's a lot happening here. And thank you again so much for uh, explaining this to me, what it meant. Um, we're coming close on the time, but there's like, uh, I think one last, maybe we actually did talk about it. Um, we, we talked about how the full moon um, lunar eclipse affected what was going on, um, you know, in, in our world, um, in real life, in real time right now. Um, that was this past Friday. And then 
did we talk about, um, you said you wanted to mention my birth year and how that was Saturn into Aquarius. Um, so okay. 1989, was that something that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, we definitely can. I think it, it's a little bit relevant because I am assuming most of your listeners are around your age. And so you would have either been just finishing something called a Saturn return, or you will be about to enter a Saturn return. Mm-hmm. And so your birthday is when the sun returns to the same spot as it did when you were born. So that's actually a solar return. It's when the sun returns. And so every single planet has a return in your chart. The moon returns to the same spot every month, but no one celebrates, you know, their lunar birthday every month, um, even though that would be fun. But Saturn takes about 28 to 30 years to um, return. So everyone has a Saturn return between about age 28 and 30. It'll differ a little bit. Um, And honestly, I could do multiple hours just talking about a Saturn return, but it's relevant because it is a very, it's a, it's a time, it's a really a coming of age time. And if you were born around 89 and 90, you're actually kind of on the back end of that and maybe not fully able to see clearly all that you've transformed yet, but you certainly would have transformed. Um, And then it's moving into Aquarius now. So if you're born between 91 and 93, you'll be going through your Saturn return for the next two to three years. And What that means, though, on a collective is also Saturn has been in Capricorn for the last two years, which is ironic because we were also just talking about how the eclipses were in Capricorn and Cancer. So there was a lot of Capricorn energy. And as a collective, we were learning about government and big business. And we still are, but we're moving into this Aquarius energy, which I'm so excited for because Aquarius is the revolutionary. So we, you know, we're shown all of our shadows. We're still going to be shown our shadows. Um, but it was this time of kind of exposing government and big business in a lot of ways. And now we're moving into the revolutionary where we're actually going to be able to take action. And Aquarius is also very humanitarian and sees like oneness and all people equal. And um, so we're moving into this kind of collective energy and um, that's really exciting for the collective, but for people again, born in 91 and through 93, you will be much more, you'll feel much more impacted personally as well with this. And that might mean that potentially in your personal life that there's a revolution um, in some ways. Um, Aquarius is very eccentric and unique. So it might be that you felt like not normal your whole life and like this unique person, maybe you felt like a unicorn or a clown or whatever, and you just like felt judged your whole life. And now moving into this, you're going to be like, well, basically F that, like I am who I am and I'm okay to be unique and different. And you're going to finally feel more comfortable kind of standing in that power um, through obviously, you know, depending on how it plays out in your birth chart, not everyone between 91 and 93 is going to have the exact same lesson, but it is going to be this time of like fully stepping into your uniqueness and being very revolutionary about that. Wow. I'm just thinking of like the people that I know that are like between like two and four years younger than me and how I, again, like just like being a sensitive person, I'm just like, you got this honey, like 28 to 30 was (laughs) a hard time for me too. Like you'll be okay. And like keep pushing through. But like now to have that like little bit of knowledge and information, you know, to like actually specifically apply that to the people that I'm like watching going through these, like, you know, transformative experiences you know of the self and like realizing like their power 
Yes. And Saturn, like we said, it's more of the boulder. So, you know, there might've been kind of some stones thrown at them before, but if they're kind of, if the universe doesn't really think they're, you know, on the right path or like kind of living their full authentic life and their authentic self, it will be like a forced breakup or um, just maybe even, you know, it could be a new marriage or a new baby. It's usually something like very massive that just drastically shifts your life. Like you can get fired from a job or like magically land your dream job. It, it could be just these really drastic things that kind of feel like they just fell out of the universe somewhere. I love that. Awesome. Well, Jesse, yeah. this was so much fun. Do you have anything that you want to like kind of wrap up with anything else that you want to like leave us with? Um, I feel very fulfilled and satisfied and happy with my birth chart reading. So thank you so, so much. I'm so excited to share this with people. Um, you've, you know, shown me so much about myself that I think I knew and had forgotten or um, needed this reminder. Um, so like this just really could not have come at a more perfect time. So thank you so much for like reaching out and getting this set up with me. I'm so excited to have you as, you know, my first guest back in a while. I love that. I love the way you worded that. I mean, we really are just all here to kind of come back to ourselves. Like we get the societal conditioning and then we just are learning how to come back to ourselves. And that's exactly what it is. And, you know, I obviously encourage people to look a little bit more into their charts and however that feels comfortable to them. There's so many resources out there now that you could totally do a, a deep dive self-study. There's so many books, so many astrologers and podcasts and things. And I just hope that people kind of, you know, start to feel comfortable and tap into those shadows and the gifts that they really have, because I believe everyone's here for a reason. And we're here to really learn about ourselves, come back to ourselves so that we can, you know, ultimately be of service to the world. I love that. Yeah, that's, you know, I can spend an hour talking about how that's <laughs> how much I feel that being of service to others. Um, but thank you seriously so, so much. Um, where can they find you on Instagram or wherever else? Yeah, my Instagram is that's soul astro. So there's two S's in there. That's soul astro. Um, and then that's also my website. So that's soulastro.com. Um, and those are the best ways to find me. I'm most active on Instagram. Awesome. And I will tag you in the show notes and I'll be definitely tagging you, um, to promo this episode, but thank you so, so much. Um, enjoy this beautiful day and we will see you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find me on Instagram at Liz without a pillow. If you loved what you listened to or know somebody that would please share it. Screenshot the episode in the podcast app, share it to your Instagram story, and tag me. If you'd like to lend your personal support, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be so grateful. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. See you then.